Welcome to the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. Today on the podcast, we're talking about the fictional world of Westeros from the HBO series Game of Thrones. Specifically, what's up with the weather in Westeros? It's completely unpredictable. You could chalk it up to magic, but could there be a real planet with the same unpredictable seasons? A team of physicists recently tried to answer that question, and as it turns out, this fictional foray has a lot in common with some very real science. That's today on the Physics Central Podcast. Winter is coming. That's an ominous line that some of you will recognize from the HBO show Game of Thrones or from the book series that inspired the show, A Song of Ice and Fire by George R.R. Martin. Both the show and the books take place in a fictional world largely on the continent of Westeros. And the people who live in this realm have a rather vexing problem. The duration of the seasons is never the same. And they seem to be completely unpredictable. So winter or summer may last for a few months or for many years. Now, the reason for these odd fluctuations is never fully explained. They have largely been attributed to the magical forces that exist in this world. But to some people, magic is actually the least interesting explanation. It certainly wasn't a satisfactory answer for physicist Veslin Kostov. I'm a big fan of the books. I've read them all, and it keeps nagging me that, as a scientist, I don't understand why. <laughs> why, why is the world like this? Now, conveniently, Kostov is in a great position to try to solve this problem. He's a graduate student in astronomy at Johns Hopkins University. So he and a few of his co-workers had the tools and the know-how to try to answer this question. What kind of astrophysical arrangement could give a planet these unpredictable seasons? Now, I should emphasize here that this project was done entirely on the side. There was no official funding that went into it. Most of the work in this kitchen is uh, whenever we see each other in the corridors of the department and we, we just talk for like five to ten minutes. Last month, Kostov and his colleagues released a paper titled Winter is Coming. In it, he and the other authors explore a few potential hypotheses that might explain the unpredictable seasons. And three of those explanations caught my attention. The first starts with familiar territory. What do we already know about how seasons are created? Well, on Earth, seasons are created because the axis of our planet is tilted. This tilt means that when the northern hemisphere is angled toward the sun, the southern hemisphere is angled away. So it's summer in one hemisphere and winter in another. Now, thankfully, that axis is tilted, but it's mostly stationary. So over the course of a year, the seasons rotate in a predictable pattern. And that way everyone gets winter and everyone gets summer. But imagine what would happen if the axis were moving. Imagine that it moved so fast that over the course of a year, it kept the northern hemisphere tilted away from the sun. That would mean a very long winter. 
Now, over time, this might create a world like Westeros with a very irregular seasonal cycle. But in their paper, Kostov and his co-authors reject that hypothesis. My take on this is because they have a moon. Um, and moons usually or typically stabilize the, uh, the axis of the parent planet. In, in our case, our axis doesn't wobble because we have the moon. Um, so I discard this. So why does a moon mean a stable axis? This is actually a somewhat a difficult question, but it it, it has to do with the, with the gravitational interaction between the two bodies. Basically, Kostov says the moon offers a constant and steady gravitational pull, and over time that makes the axial movement of the planet steady and regular, and that would likely mean that the seasons would show more of a pattern. And what we're looking for is irregularity. So the wobbly axis hypothesis is out. Okay, so what's another possibility? What if you varied the distance between the planet and the parent star? Winter would take place when the planet is very far away, and summer would take place when the planet was close. Every planet actually has what's called eccentricity. Low eccentricity means the planet's orbit is nearly circular. So Earth has a low eccentricity. But a highly eccentric orbit looks like a circle that's been squished, kind of like a football. And there are planetary orbits that look like very long, thin footballs. So the parent star would not be in the middle of that football, but toward one pointy end. So at that end of the orbit, the planet might experience a fantastic summer, but at the other end, it would experience a very tough winter. The problem with this theory, once again, is its predictability. An eccentric orbit is extreme, but it is ultimately regular. Absolutely. Uh, well, unless there is something else going on in the system. But if it's one star, one planet on a highly eccentric orbit, everything is super regular. It's like a clock. So while the winters would be very long, they would come at the same time each year, and have the same duration. Okay, so we're still looking for a scenario where unpredictability is the defining factor. So Kostov and his team came up with a third hypothesis, that the planet containing Westeros is actually orbiting a double star system. So in a system like this, you have two stars that are actually orbiting each other, and they could potentially be orbiting each other very quickly, with an orbital period as short as a week or ten days. Now throw in a planet orbiting one or both of the stars, and you have what's called a circumbinary system. To explain how a circumbinary system behaves, I'm going to introduce you to Stephen Kane, an astrophysicist at the NASA Exoplanet Science Institute. Because the stars are moving around each other, it means they're also moving towards and away from the planet. On top of that, the planet is moving towards and away the center of mass of the whole system. What this results in is enormous chaos, enormous chaos with the temperature variations uh, that could occur on the planet. Modeling these types of systems can lead to quite the headache for astronomers. When we're dealing with, with these kinds of systems where everything is moving, 
trying to put all that in motion and think about it. Uh, I've had moments when I've just had my head in my hands, just trying to <laughs> wrap my head around it. So in the paper, Winter is Coming, Kostov and his co-authors created a model of a circumbinary system. They chose one that would show a high temperature variation. And the paper shows that on this planet, the winter seasons could vary in length from about 600 days to 850 days long. So have we found our answer? It depends on how detailed you want to get. 850 days is the longest winter season that the model predicts for this planet, but Westeros has enjoyed a decade-long summer, so the model may fall short in some aspects. Does that mean that Westeros' weather is beyond any possible reality? Not quite. Remember that this paper was done for fun. This wasn't a scientifically rigorous investigation. But there are people who are studying the potential habitability of exoplanets and who are finding some very bizarre systems. One such person is Stephen Kane, who you heard from just a moment ago. Earlier this year, Kane co-authored a paper that actually had a lot in common with the paper about Westeros. Kane and his colleagues modeled a number of possible circumbinary systems and then calculated the average surface temperature of each one. And then I applied that to several of the systems which, as I mentioned earlier, have been discovered by the Kepler mission. So this isn't just a theoretical exercise. This is something that we know these systems are there. We know what their orbital parameters are like. So then we can go ahead and calculate what the temperature variations would be on the surface. Now, considering his expertise in this subject, Kane took a look at the Westeros paper and weighed in. He actually offers a fourth or fifth hypothesis. So I think that it's not chaotic enough and that it could be um, a situation where you have a third star. And if you had a third star in the system, that could create an extra element of chaos so that the winters just become completely unpredictable. Another possibility is that uh, Westeros, uh, on whatever planet it's on, is actually a moon of a giant planet. And if that's the case, then you have that extra component of the temperature variations as the, the moon is orbiting the giant planet, as the giant planet is orbiting the binary. So it adds this extra layer of chaos as well. So uh, I, I think it's more complicated, actually, than than what the uh, authors of the paper have put there. Now, of course, the big glaring problem with the theory that Westeros is on a planet orbiting two or three stars is that people would probably notice another star in the sky. But Kostov says it's actually possible that the second star is out of view. Here he is again. Uh, an astronomer, for example, can always hide one star, and by this I mean either one of them can be, as I mentioned, can be very bright, and the other one can be very faint, and you don't really see the faint one, or one of them is, is a regular star, and the other one is, let's say, a black hole, so you don't actually even see that. Uh, my point is, you can, you can keep playing mind games with this, uh, and you can think of crazy and fun scenarios. A black hole influencing the orbit of Westeros could certainly explain the lack of visibility, but it would take a lot of time and effort to calculate exactly how that arrangement might work with the black hole and the star and the planet. 
And that's a level of detail that Kostov and his colleagues are not ready to commit to. Again, this was just for fun. And if there is a scientific explanation for Westeros's weather, it would probably be a combination of variables. Maybe it's in a circumbinary system and the planet's axis is tilted. But the point is, no system is ever truly unpredictable. They're just increasingly complex. If you create a model which has a certain complexity to it, and then you fit the data to that model and the data doesn't quite fit, maybe it's close, but not quite, that may simply mean that there's an extra effect that you haven't accounted for yet. It's a, it's a question of what is that threshold beyond which a system becomes so complex that it's, it's not impossible, but it just becomes very technically difficult for whoever's working on the problem to be able to solve it. Alas, however, the people of Westeros are not likely to have the level of mathematical prowess that would be required to unlock the pattern of the seasons. Thanks to the Kepler Space Telescope, scientists are now aware of well over a hundred confirmed exoplanets and thousands of planet candidates. Kane notes that in previous years, the key objective for exoplanet astronomers was detection, just finding those exoplanets. But now, he says, the next step for the field is characterization, determining whether or not any of those planets are actually habitable. Now, the orbit of these planets is definitely important, but atmosphere is another critical variable. Atmosphere can mean the difference between nice, hospitable Earth and the death trap that is Venus. And it's still a daunting challenge to study a planet's atmosphere from many light years away. Still, it may not be too far in the future when astronomers identify a habitable planet with a weather system not unlike Westeros. In fact, we may learn that the predictions of science fiction authors are actually more common in the universe than our predictable seasonal cycle. It, it is very interesting when science does eventually catch up with science fiction, because that is always the case. Because um, science fiction, by its very nature, precedes the science. And so it's always fun when you are doing the science to then go back to the predictions and, and think, well, let's just see how accurate those kinds of pictures really were. Sometimes they're way off. Sometimes they're really quite close. Um, but it's, a, it's an interesting exercise nonetheless. Thank you again to Stephen Kane and Veselin Kostov for being on the podcast. Go to our blog, physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com, and you can see the paper, Winter is Coming. The other authors on that paper are Daniel Allen of Sunspear, Nicholas Hartman of The Vale of Aaron, Scott Guzwich of Storm's End, and Justin Rogers of Casterly Rock. That's all for the Physics Central podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more Physics Central. <laughs>